Um, at the beginning of September, we, uh, we began a new series that we're walking through for the year, and we're, we're calling it Sacred. And we're looking at what it means to be a spiritual presence in this world and how, how the Spirit of God working within us affects the world around us. And we've begun this series by looking at a, uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and, and the qualities and characteristics that the people of God should have in their lives and what the Spirit works within each of us. Now, these attributes should separate people who have the Spirit of God from those who don't have the Spirit of God. But, and, and I'm sure you've already noticed this, but people who don't have God's Spirit can still display these fruit of the Spirit, right? Uh, the difference is that these are the fruit, not the fruits of the Spirit. They aren't supposed to be qualities that we can just pick and choose which ones we want to be. For instance, we're not saying that we should choose to be kind and peaceful, but not joyful, or, or I'm joyful, but I'm not going to be kind to this person, right? It's not that we pick and choose which attributes of the fruit of the Spirit we should be, because anyone can be patient for a moment, right? Anyone can be kind for an instant, but to be loving, to be to be joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, uh, to, be, to be gentle and temperate. These are the work of the Spirit within us when we see all of these qualities coming together. It's the fruit, like I said, not the fruits. We're called to be all of these qualities all at once, which, as we've probably noticed, can only happen when the Spirit of God is working within each of us. Uh, and this morning, we're coming to the character of faithfulness. Um, and there are different types of faithfulness in the Bible, but uh, to just give it a simple definition, it means to remain loyal or steadfast, or as the dictionary puts it, I like this one, true to the facts. It's a good one. Being someone who other people can rely and depend upon, that we're true to our word. And this is what we're called to be. We are called to be, some, or we're called to be people who God can depend upon to be obedient to him and the things he calls us to. So what is that supposed to look like in our lives? How, how can the fruit of faithfulness be displayed in us to make a difference in the world around us? Uh, so we're just going to jump right in this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 19. We're going to be reading a parable uh, called the Parable of the Ten Minas. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading Luke uh, chapter 19, starting at verse 11. Luke chapter 19. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he, thought, uh, because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. And his master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. 
His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have at least collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even they, what they have will not be taken away, or will be taken away, sorry. But even those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. This, this parable in Luke gives us a glimpse into judgment day when, when Jesus returns and enacts justice on the world. And uh, Luke is telling us that Jesus shares this parable because people thought that the kingdom of God was going to arrive suddenly. They thought that it was going to be Jesus, their conquering king, who would come with power, with angels, and defeat the Roman Empire. And so instead, Jesus tells this parable and reminds them what that when the kingdom comes, it's going to be a judgment for all people, for everyone. Judgment Day won't, won't look like a ruler coming and just wiping out our enemies or Israel's enemies at that time, but judgment will rather look like us having a conversation with Jesus and him asking what we've been doing, how we've been faithful with what he has entrusted us. So my question is, what has Jesus entrusted to us? I could summarize it. Well, everything, right? I mean, from the breath in our lungs to the houses that we sleep in to the very faith that we have to believe in him, he's given us these things, right? Everything in this world is created by God, and so everything that we are given in this world, we are called to be entrusted with, to be faithful to him with these things. Now, in, in this parable, the one of the ten minas, all the servants were given the same amount of money, which is different than the parable of the talents. Uh, I'll talk about this one a little bit later because these two stories are very similar, but they tell very different aspects of uh, faithfulness and how we can do this. Uh, but for each person on this planet, God has given us life. He's given us a purpose. He's created us with meaning, and he's given us materials in order to live well in this world, and he calls us to be faithful with these things. And, and though the, the purpose and materials like might look different for each one of us, we are still called to be faithful with what we have been given and to steward it well. So how are you faithful to what God has entrusted to you? Your, your money, for instance, however much or little it is, how, how faithful are you to your spouse and to your family, to your job? How, how well are you stewarding things like your vehicle? How faithful we are to take care of these things directly relates to our own judgment, right? The servant who, um, who earned 10 more minas was given 10 cities. The one who earned five more was given charge of five cities. And I want to point out that the parable tells us also of God's extravagant goodness and generosity to us here, right? A mina was worth about three months' wages. You can read that in the little footnote of your page there. Uh, but he was given three months' wages to take care of, and he earned about three years' wages for the king, but it's not even comparable to ten cities' worth, right? Even, even the one who earned five more was given charge of five cities, an, incomparable, an incomparably greater amount than what they were first entrusted with. We see that if we're, if we're faithful with the small things, then God can trust us with the greater things. 
And he also blesses us with an incredible generosity if we're faithful to him to use those things for his name's sake. But we also learn a couple more things. First, that there are levels of faithfulness, right? Um, if you remember the, the story of the centurion, uh, he, he sent a messenger to Jesus and asked him to heal his, uh, his poor servant. And so as Jesus was on his way to heal this man's servant, uh, the centurion sent another messenger to Jesus and said, you don't need to come all the way to my house. You can just declare that this man is healed and I believe that, you will be, that he will be healed. You don't need to come all the way to my house. And in reply to this, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. We can be more faithful or we can be less faithful, right? And to that end, our reward will be the same. Now, this should encourage us to be diligent with our blessings, to use them for his name's sake, because the more we, we are diligent in taking care of what he has already given us, not only is the greater reward, but the greater relationship we have with him. The, more, the closer we are to him, and the more we have to know him in that. But second, I want us to also notice that it's a matter of faithfulness, not of success. The point is faithfulness, not success. The, the only servant that the king sent away was the one who was uh, who misused his talent, his mina, rather, sorry. But not because the king needed the money, right? The king said that he took out what he did not put in, reaped what he did not sow. Everything was the king's. He could take what he wanted. He didn't need the servant's money, but he was not happy with his unfaithfulness because the servant didn't steward the money well. See, God doesn't ask us to be faithful with the things he's given us because he needs us but because he wants us to participate in his kingdom being built here on earth. He builds his kingdom. We can participate with, that in, uh, with him in that. He wants a relationship with us, not what he can get out of us. When, when the unfaithful servant was explaining why he didn't invest or use his mina, he gave the excuse, I was afraid because I know that you take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. And his excuse was that the master didn't need his help. Right? He was saying, you, everything is yours. What's the point of me doing anything with this? Because again, you can earn all your own money if you wanted to. It's all yours. But the king still punished the servant, right? Not because he needed the servant's help, but because the king wanted to include others in his work, and yet they said no. They rejected it. And God includes us in the work that he's doing here on earth. He invites us into relationship with him for no other reason than he loves us. He wants to have relationship with us, to participate with what he's doing. And what's more is that God never excludes us based on our weakness or inability, but only based upon our unfaithfulness. The prophet Jeremiah, he's a great example of this. Um, God calls a man named Jeremiah to go and speak on God's behalf to the nation of Israel and to proclaim the message that uh, if they didn't change their ways, that God was going to bring about certain um, disciplines and enact certain things upon the nation and send them off from the promised land and they would be taken captive to another land. And so um, in, in chapter 7, after Jeremiah was told the message from God that he's supposed to share to the people, God says this to him. He says, when you tell them all this, they won't listen to you, Right? When you call to them, they will not answer. God said to Jeremiah, he said that exact phrase a few times throughout the book of Jeremiah. He literally tells him, here's the message I want you to speak. 
no one's going to listen. I still want you to do it anyway. I still want you to speak this message to my people day after day, even though none of them are going to change or listen to you at all. Right? For, for, for Jeremiah, it wasn't a matter of success. Right? His goal was, I'm sure, to turn the nation of Israel back towards God, but his success was in being faithful, not in the outcome. Faithfulness is what it's important to God, not success. This is what he calls us to. When we care more about success than about being faithful, we get important, or we mix up our priorities of what is important. So, how are you being faithful with what God has given you? Are you faithful with your finances? And I'm not just talking about tithing, but in the purchases you make. Do you have more of a focus on how money can make you happy or how it can bless those and help those around you? Are you faithful with your home? Do you open it up and invite others into it or do you close it off? Right? We have opportunity in everything that we own, recognizing that first off, they're gods, that we are just faithful stewards of these things and we can use them well to bless others. And remember, it's not about how much we have, but about how faithful, faithful we are with what we have. I remember a few years ago, we were, uh, we were on a, a youth retreat and we were going out camping. And I remember uh, as we were driving, there's a few leaders in the vehicles with the students and we stopped at Tim Hortons along the way to pick up some snacks. And as we got back into the vehicle, we drove to the rest of the campsite or the rest of the way. And uh, as we were driving, there was one kid in the back who was sitting between a, another leader and I, and he had ordered a bagel from Tim Hortons. Now, if you've ever gotten a bagel from Tim Hortons, uh, they cut it into quarters. They don't cut it into like 36 shareable pieces, right? So I remember the kid, he was offering these pieces of his bagel to the kids around him, and then he offered the second last piece of his bagel to the leader beside me. And I remember the leader, he was like, well, I can't take that. That's your second last piece, and you're not even going to be left with anything that's your own bagel that you bought. And, and I remember that kid, he replied, well, it's not mine anyway. And right off the bat, the other leader and I were thinking, wow, you're being very benevolent with the bagel you just stole from someone. Um, but I remember the, the other leader asked the kid, what do you mean, instead of first getting angry at him? And I remember the youth said this. He's like, well, everything is God's, and so it's not really mine to keep, right? I think he would be more happy if I were to share this than if I were to eat it, eat it and keep it all to myself. And I remember the other leader and I, we just looked at each other. We're like, yeah, we resign. You're the youth pastor now. I'm sorry, kid. Um, but, but that youth saw something in the reality of the world that we often miss, that God is in control over everything. Everything is his. It's not ours to keep. He entrusts it to us to steward for a time, right? Ecclesiastes reminds us that we're given wealth for our lifetime, and then after that, it's passed on to another. We can't keep anything here. So why don't we use it for the best possible reason to bless others, to be faithful with it, faithful stewards in the kingdom of God with the things he's given us? One day, he's going to ask us what we did with everything we were given. And my point in telling you this isn't to scare you into obedience, into following him. My point is to remind you that we can be faithful with things as small as bagels in the kingdom of God. And these things matter. And this is where faith begins, right? We're trusted with little. And from there, as we are faithful to steward those things well, we're given more. But our wealth is the beginning of that journey. Luke 16 
verses 10 to 11, Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Faithfulness begins with being faithful over the smallest of things, the things that we don't deem as important or significant at times, right? And if you're not faithful with the small things, you'll never be promoted to the big things. Uh, Derek Prince, who was a, a famous pastor in the 90s, and he put it like this, you show what kind of person you are most clearly when you are taking charge of small and apparently unimportant responsibility. That is where your character is tested. Right? We can be faithful with the smallest of things, and in that we can be entrusted with more. Uh, but before we move on to how we can be faithful in our relationships, not just faithful with the things we've been given as materials, I want to remind us that faith is something that grows, Right? None of us are perfect, and no one who follows God is completely faithful the entirety of their lives. It would be nice, but we're not. We make mistakes. We are unfaithful at many, many points in our own lives. But like I said, faithfulness is something that takes us a lifetime to learn. We grow in this and get better every day. And the point is to get back on track when we fall away. It's called the fruit for a reason, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit grows slowly and over time. An avocado, the fruit of an avocado tree, will grow on the tree for about a year before you can actually eat it. But until then, you still need to water and nourish and prune the tree itself as the fruit grows. So how are you nourishing your faith? Are you, are you speaking the truth to yourself in the Word? Are you reminding yourself of God's promises to you? Or are you more faithful to social media and the news? Are you building a relationship with God through prayer, having a conversation with him? Because in, in, in the moment when you're doing these practices, it might not seem like much is happening. If you were to sit by an avocado tree and watch it grow, it would seem like nothing's happening. But with faithfulness, the more we are disciplined, the more we keep to these things and steward them well in our time, the more we grow and the word will begin to transform the way we think. And our prayer life will be a place of strength and peace for us. So next, what does the fruit of faithfulness look like in our relationships? Now let's start with our relationship with God. How can we be faithful to God? And one example of how this looks is commitment. Um, in a marriage relationship, you make a commitment to one another to love each other despite the circumstances of life and despite your feelings. Right? You, you promise to continue to be faithful to someone even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't have the finances, even when something better else comes along, it seems, because it's not based in feeling, it's based in loyalty and a promise and a vow that you made to one another. And that's why marriage has such potential to be a beautiful relationship, because it's based in covenant, it's based in promise and not in feeling. And in the same way, this is how we can be faithful to God, right? One of the, one of the practices that we do as Christians is baptism, uh, where, we, where we literally display that we are changing teams, that we're no longer living for ourselves, but are living for God. And this is where we put our faith in Him. We make the public declaration in the sight of witnesses who will, heap, who will keep us accountable to the promise, the commitment that we made to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. That's where faith begins, right? You can't have faith, or you can't be faithful unless you put your faith in something, in us confessing that Jesus is Lord. 
But committing is just the first step, right? In a marriage relationship, that's where it begins. And you have the rest of your lives to figure that out. But it's just the first step. Committing is, is again, where it begins, but committing, com- continuing to trust God despite the things that happen in life, that's where it becomes confusing and our faithfulness is tested. And this is where our faithfulness to pray, to read the Bible is, is sometimes difficult. And it makes all the difference though because when we begin to lose sight of God's promises, we don't want to read the word and remind ourselves of the promises we don't think are true. And when we stop, the enemy, the accuser, will tempt us to think that God is angry enough at us to leave us or to forget us or that we haven't been putting enough effort into our faith so that God won't accept us anymore. But when we believe that God is just an angry and unforgiving deity, we soon in turn become unforgiving and commanding people and judging. This is why we lean back on the commitment that we made to him. We remember our own baptism to to commit ourselves to follow God in the ways that he leads us, regardless of what that looks like. In in the book of Daniel, uh, there are three people named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were faithful believers who made the choice to follow God, who made a commitment to follow him no matter what they faced. And if you read the book of Daniel, they were about to be thrown into a fiery furnace because they weren't willing to give up their faith in God and bow down to this statue. And um, we have what they said to the king who was about to throw them in the furnace, literally standing in front of them. This is what they said to his face. They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship your image. These men had vowed to follow God regardless of what it costed them. Even in the face of death, they were willing to give up their lives for the faith that they proclaimed. And because these men remained faithful, we have an incredible story of an encouragement that can bless us in our own walk with God. And it makes me wonder what God can do with your faithfulness. Right? I'm willing to bet that many of us probably won't face the decision to either give up our faith or die, but remember that even in the smallest of things, in, the faithful, in being faithful in the smallest of things, there is a great reward. God can work amazing things through that. If only you remain faithful to him. Not to give up talking to him when life isn't going your way, or it seems like God isn't working but to continue seeking him for what you need, your daily bread in him every day. This is how we can be faithful in our relationship with God. Which leads us to how we can be faithful in our relationship with our brothers and sisters, our our church family. Uh, In Matthew 25, we read the the parables that Jesus shares on the topic of, of Judgment Day once again. And he shares three different parables, but one of those is the parable of the talents. And Uh, It's very similar to the parable we just read, the parable of the Minas, but it's different for a reason. Um, In this story, a man gives three servants three differing amounts of money. He gives the first one five talents, the next one two, and the last one he gives one talent. And Jesus says that they are given talents according each to his own ability. And similar to the story of the Minas, the first and second servant used their wealth and they doubled it, uh, whereas the third servant, again, buried his talent uh, and was... Uh, was punished justly for doing that. Now, 
this parable is speaking less of how we are entrusted with the things of this world and, and like the parable of the Minas talks about. And this one more speaks to the things and the purpose for which we are given here on earth. The purpose for which God has created us, right? He has given each of us talents and abilities to use in this world and expects us to use them wisely. And so when we compare this scripture to 1 Corinthians 12, where, where Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, the, the gifts that God has blessed the, uh, the body of believers with in order to be a blessing to each other, uh, he, he says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. To each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. We are each given different abilities and purposes in this world to use for the benefit of the common good, but for more importantly, the benefit of the body of believers, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because right after that section where he talks about spiritual gifts, Paul talks about the church being like a body, how it's, it's made up of different parts that all have different roles. So, for instance, there's the eyes and the feet and the hands, and, and though they each have different roles in the body, they're just as important uh, parts. There's nothing that's more or less significant. They just have different roles. And, and here I want to again remind you that the importance isn't about specific ability or about how talented or gifted you are, but about our faithfulness with those gifts. Do we steward them well? Back in the, back in the 17th century, there lived a man named Brother Lawrence who, uh, he was a monk for pretty much most of his life and for nearly 50 years he worked in the monastery and he would clean dishes and cook and repair shoes. And to most of us, I would argue that seems like an insignificant task at times for the kingdom of God, right? We, we see all these ministries running and we think that cleaning dishes might be the least important of these. But because Brother Lawrence was faithful to God in, in his duties in cleaning the dishes and in making food, people began to come from all across the world to hear about his relationship with God. And we have books that we can still read now today because he was faithful to the things that were in front of him. And I, I love this quote that he, he gives. He says, It is not necessary to have great things to do. I turn my little omelet in the pan for the love of God. Washing dishes can be seen as one of the greater acts in the kingdom of God. Making food for someone is, is an incredible blessing. Jesus even says if we give anyone a cup of cold water in his name, something that might not even cost us anything, that can be a blessing, and there's a great reward for that. What we do in this world matters, and how we use our talents and our abilities matter in this world. In order to be faithful with our gifts, though, we first need to learn what those talents are. So how has God gifted you? Has he encouraged you, has he gifted you to encourage others? Has he gifted you to teach? Has he gifted you to, to discern, to pray? Because when we don't use our talents, when we don't use those things that God has gifted us with, it affects the body, right? Just like if you were to think of a person who has a foot that doesn't work, it would affect their body, the rest of the way they live in the world. Don't keep your talents to yourselves. Share them. Share them with the body. Don't bury them. God gave you the ability so that we as a church could thrive as we serve one another in love when we're faithful to use the talents that he's given us. And this, this brings us to the last point, that we can only be faithful by first knowing that Jesus is faithful to us. 
throughout the Bible, uh, we get certain descriptions of God. Like in, in 1 John 4, we, we get the description that God is love. Uh, and in Revelation 19, we read that two of the descriptors for God is that he is faithful and true. These are his names. It's the very essence of his being is both love and faithfulness. Yet we can only know that God is faithful if we're willing to put trust in his promises. In the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, we read, not one of the good promises which the Lord has made to the house of Israel has failed. All came to pass. In the New Testament, we read, for as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes, and therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Not one promise from the beginning of God's word to the very last word in Revelation is going to fail. He will bring about his promises to completion. And the only way we can know that he will is if we actually put trust in those promises. We can be assured that God is faithful. We have endless promises that he is faithful to us. In Hebrews 11, we also read of a list of people who displayed faith by trusting in God throughout their lives and continued to have a relationship with God even when his promises weren't fulfilled in their own lives. We learn of people like Abraham who was promised descendants of great multitude, but he never actually saw that come to be. Moses was another man who was promised the promised land, but he never actually entered into it. He never saw the fulfillment of God's promises. And this is the place where the enemy usually tries to get us to turn our backs on God, when we don't see his promises being fulfilled in the moments that we need them. But we need to have faith that God will continue unto completion the work that he's begun in us. Our faith is literally a shield that we can use to extinguish the fires and the arrows of the enemy. In Ephesians 6, when, when Paul is talking about the, uh, the armor of God, uh, he says this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Right? We can use our faith to fight back how the enemy d uh, gets us and tempts us to walk away from God. Because the opposite of, of faith isn't doubt, but fear, right? A lack of trust in what is promised to us. But we've, given, we've been given every reason not to be afraid. Look at the promises that God tells us. Do you see how great they are? In John 3, God tells us that he loves us enough to send his own son to die for us. In 1 John 1, he tells us that if we come to him asking for forgiveness, he will always be faithful to forgive us and accept us. Hebrews 13 reminds us that he will never turn our backs or turn his back on us and forsake us. Ephesians 2:10, Psalm 139, they tell us of how God has intricately made us and the care and detail that he took to create every single one of you and the purpose that he made in every single one of you. And it reminds us of the relationship and the love that he has for every single one of us. We can only be faithful with what we've been entrusted and in our relationship because we have the great example of God's own faithfulness towards us. That while we were still sinners, God sent his son to die for us. While we weren't making any effort to have a relationship with him, in the moments, in the moments where we were sinning our worst, he made the greatest sacrifice for us because he wants to have a relationship with us. We will fail. We will always or we aren't always faithful, but failing is insignificant when compared to getting off, when, uh, when giving up, rather. Failing is insignificant when compared to giving up. So continue to be faithful. 
Use what God has given you in this world to love others. Use your talents to serve the body, to serve our community. Be faithful to God by reminding yourself of the great promises that he's given us in his word. And be faithful to continue spending time with him in prayer. And as you are faithful, remember, it's not a matter of success. It's not a matter of being better than the next person or of having more even. It's about being faithful with what God has given you as we are each given different things in this world. He's called us to be faithful with the smallest of things like bagels and dishwashing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the things that you are working in our lives. But in all of this, God, we thank you that you have never once given up on us. God, in the moments of discipline, in the moments where you are working things out of us, like our pride, our, our selfishness, the things that pull us further from you, God, as you, as you draw these things out of us, we thank you that you are working good. Father, we ask that you would help us to be faithful, that you would give us the strength through your spirit to be faithful to you and to others. Help us to recognize ways in which we can love and serve the body. Help us to recognize the ways we can be faithful with the smallest of things that we've been given. But God, we thank you that you've provided everything for us. Thank you that you've given us a great example of faithfulness to follow. And we thank you for your great love for us, God.